Hey, this is Eugene Rapkin, and you're listening to the Style Zeitgeist Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Eugene Rapkin, and I am back with my good friend, Philippe Hashemi, fashion journalist, critic, consultant, uh, all-around great interesting mind one of my most favorite people to talk about fashion and as it has become our tradition we're here to review the fall winter 22 menswear season welcome philippe hi eugene very good to see you and to hear your voice again very nice likewise likewise it's a new year uh new dawn uh new weirdness (laughs) and and probably reflected a bit in the collections. Um, And I wanted to start with Milan first a bit before Mm -hmm. we move on to Paris. Wanted to uh, get your take overall and uh, specifically your take on Prada. Well, uh, Prada was a funny one because I I really had the feeling that the casting was so uh, predominant that in a way it made me very wary of the collection straight away. Uh, you know, I had the feeling that it was sort of like covering up for something uh, that went wrong in the actual collection. And then I realized that it was extremely repetitive. You had very similar cuts and styles being, you know, offered in different um, shades and things. And it just felt very repetitive. And also the really funny thing was the, you know, the Demna, uh, comparison <laughs> because I briefly saw it on on Diet Prada, mm-hmm. and and that made me think a lot about you know how something that of course he did not create himself uh, suddenly becomes associated with a designer, so that the Prada collection ends up looking like that Balenciaga shoulder, and then people think of it as being derivative, you know, even though Demna never designed that shoulder in the first place. Um, so I thought that was kind of kind of ironic in a way and, and strange. But uh, of course, if you're going to go into that territory, it does look like something them now would do. So I found mm-hmm. that very, very puzzling, mm-hmm. the sort of direction that Prada has taken. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What did you what did you think about it? I noticed exact same thing. And I said exact same thing. So, okay, audience, we did not rehearse this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. We just, I said exactly the same thing. I posted in um, Stel's Zeitgeist Instagram story and I said, it's funny how you look at this look now. And it was the first look, you know, the long leather trench with the yeah. shoulders. Yeah. I said, it's funny how once you start hammering something into people's minds, they start associating it with you. So even though... Mm-hmm. Many people have done this before, including Raf himself. Yeah. Um, it fucks with your brain by telling you, oh, this looks like Balenciaga. So you really have to know the history of fashion. Yeah. Lo and behold, what do I get a couple of hours later? I get people DMing me, go look at Diet product. So I went and looked and it, of course, they, you know, being who they are, um, uh, said that this was basically Balenciaga knockoff. Uh, and actually, I don't know if you saw, but I got into a spat with them. Oh, no, I didn't see that. Uh, I missed that. W- which I found cute 
you know, whatever. Uh, so, um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to literally give you a Ralph Simons look from fall winter 2006 mm-hmm. that has the exact same silhouette. Yeah. You know, a long black co- coat. It was a raincoat, oversized, you know, big drop shoulder. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I wrote, you know what? Like, and so I posted, uh, that Balenciaga look and I posted that look and I was like, you know, like, fuck diet Prada, learn your fashion history before you say things like that. Yeah. Apparently someone told them that I did that. They took, they, they took screenshots of my stories. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Put them next to each other and basically wrote, tried to say that I was saying the opposite of what I said. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And I was like, I was like, this is hilarious. I was like, you guys are really good at this uh, cognitive dissonance. You guys should open your own PR firm. <laughs> but I mean, the funny thing is that that, that shoulder doesn't even come from Raph anyway, because of if course. you really want to dig deep into fashion history, it's, it's a shoulder that Montana, Mugler and Cardin did in the 70s, you know, Absolutely. it's that extreme sort of square shoulder that. French designer did at the end of the 70s. So, no, but it, what I thought was kind of embarrassing for Prada is that they are being compared to, to Balenciaga and in a way that it makes them look like they're no, they're no longer leading the conversation. Mm-hmm. They're just following whatever's trendy. And it makes them look like they're desperately sort of, you know, trying to catch up with things. And and. They must have thought that this silhouette would be associated with them now. I mean, come on, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, that's something. Or maybe they didn't even think about that, which just shows how insular they are mm-hmm. as people, you know. I think they did. Uh, but I and but I imagine Raph, you know, Raph being Raph, he'd probably say, you know what? Fuck that. I'm going to reclaim that because I did that while Demna was a student at the Antwerp Academy. Yeah, <laughs> or, not, or not even probably maybe in his uh, maybe in his freshman year. So yeah, I didn't mind that, and I, I just probably like I sensed that it would. I I didn't actually sense that it would come, but that's exactly what happened in my mind. This like oh you, and that's an importance for for all of you young designers out there. It's important to make a statement over and over again because that's how you develop yeah. a signature. And Ralph used to be very good at that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about it, like you put 15 red shirts on the catwalk, like sooner or later, like people will start associating that with yeah. you. Or you put capes or, you know, silhouette. Um, but and it seems to thing. me that he's kind of trapped in his own vocabulary now because, you know, what he's doing at Prada now is like huge bombers, you know, and things that we've seen before. And I really have the feeling that he's sort of repeating himself. And then I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious about Prada's position in all of that, you know, and, and how involved she is in these collections or not. I mean, I don't know mm. because I'm, I'm struggling sensing her own input in into the the collections and i'm struggling sensing her own perversity and her own intelligence or subtlety it feels very gimmicky you know there was something quite cartoon like about this these silhouettes and 
and it was sort of in your face with with all these actors famous people i just thought it was kind of like mm-hmm. it was begging for attention you know and mm-hmm. I, I found that a bit a bit sad you know yeah. uh yeah no i, I agree obviously these moments are made for media they made for instagram they made for the internet and the sad thing about these moments is that they used to kind of be fun, right? When like Basquiat would walk a Comme des Garçons show in the 80s, um, or Daniel Defoe, oh, sorry, William Defoe. <laughs> Daniel Defoe is dead. <laughs> with, yes. with, with William Defoe, um, but you know, or like when uh, Tupac Shakur walked the Versace show. But I feel like by now, they they do feel like these are moments made for the media and just simply to generate attention, which is sad because actually Jeff Goldblum fits, right? Because he's been having an early retirement, you know, having fun with <laughs> wearing all this like crazy Prada things and becoming a kind of, uh, you know, yeah. ma- male Celine Dion. <laughs> you know, like I have all these money, so I'm just going to play around. Why not? Listen, more power to him. I love that. But I agree. With, but but the sad part that you just start getting cynical when you see these things mm. and, and you automatically question how, how real is this or is this yeah. a marketing gimmick? And I have to tell you one thing, because I was really thinking about the men's collections uh, today and yesterday, and I thought that now... If something is really in your face, uh, begging for my attention and, and shouting on the screen, it really puts me off, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it's sort of, I, it has the opposite effect. I just, it, it sort of makes me, um, <laughs> makes me a bit squeamish and I just, I'm not interested. I don't want to engage with it. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, if something is more self-contained, more subtle, more quiet, then I'm going to look at it. I'm going to, you know, make the effort to get into it. And I think about two collections that really struck me this season. It was Jill Sander and Yoji. Because for me, finally, you had beautiful, poetic, you know, design garments. I mean, it it was really exciting to look at beautiful clothes again. I mean, it sounds kind of stupid, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, I really appreciated that it was about the craft and it mm-hmm. was really only about that. And yeah. it was visible in the actual pieces. And for me, that was the strongest statement you could make as a designer, mm-hmm. you know, right now. Don't you think it's kind of sad where we are, but also very telling that you have to say, like, it almost sounds stupid to just see beautiful clothes. <laughs> right? it, I mean, it, I mean, it does. It's like I was, you know, just before we, we, um, we started like, uh, chatting, I was looking at Valentino Couture. And again, you know, it's, it's what couture should be. It's just clothes that elevate you, that flatter you. And, and he had all kinds of different ages and body shapes and, and I felt that was exciting to see that couture does that. It has that effect mm-hmm. because it's unique. It's made on a specific body, you know. Yeah. So it, it is made to to uh, showcase your your assets. You know, that's how it works. Mm-hmm. It's meant to flatter your body. And 
Yeah, I, I kind of paid more attention to designers that were really thinking about, you know, the proportions and how to put things together and not shouting, not not kind of being, you know, in my face. I was just mm -hmm. found that mm -hmm. annoying now. It annoys me, you know. Absolutely. Like, yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. why I like I people keep arguing with me, but I just like I'm sorry, I just can't stand Balenciaga for what it represents. And mm -hmm. all of fashion has gotten Balenciaga-fied. Everything is irony and ugly chic and um all this, you know, little laughs for the sake of it and like in-group humor mm. and just really gestures that are ultimately empty. Mm -hmm. And what's worse, it makes Balenciaga, which there is good design there if you look closely, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But what ends up, but it's almost hidden by by all these empty marketing and PR mm. gestures. Yeah, uh, that it's all about brand positioning and and like the clothes don't matter, even though you know I've come around a bit and you can see that Demna is trying. Mm. Uh, but it's just like, yeah. But I think there's so much commercial pressure to make more and more money as fast as possible and i think that that you know and now it's like the metaverse and all this stuff and it's like you're just thinking okay like <laughs> how many more roads are they going to explore to to increase their revenue to increase their profits and it's kind of uh, yeah I, I understand what you're saying because i think demna at the end of the day cares about design and i think demna knows what interesting design is mm -hmm. but you know uh we're coming back to this question of who is who is demanding this type of fashion? Is yeah. it the consumer? Is it the groups? Is it the design studios? You know, mm -hmm. who is behind that? And I keep thinking, I, I talk to people about this and I keep thinking that the groups are, are pushing it because at the end of the day, it's huge profits, it's easy fashion, and they control most of the industry. They control yeah. the media, they control the press, they have armies of influencers wearing the stuff so at the end of the day it's like daily brainwashing constantly constantly mm -hmm. you know shoved up your throat so you you, you can't escape it which yeah. is why you know now making this extra effort to to get into something that may appear more subtle mm -hmm. but that also has intrinsic value and uh and jill sander really impressed me because they were so lot, beautiful. Yeah, it was Jill really, and Yoji, you just named my top two of the season. I'm just going to spit it out. But yeah. go ahead. Yeah, I just thought it was poetic. It was, I don't know, it just, it felt real to me. That's what I liked as well. There was an honesty to it and um, it was very desirable and they felt like real mature clothes. You know, they felt like serious mm -hmm. clothes that finally we could like, you know, uh, move away from this kind of, as you say, cynical sportswear thing and and embrace something more adult, you know, a more adult way to dress. And I don't know, it really resonated with me. Yeah. And also Yoji was extremely poetic. I thought this whole 19th century silhouette, uh, all the work on, you know, animal prints, the sort of mm -hmm. overprints on coats. And it was very, very, very thorough, very beautiful, very intricate. But at the same time, there was an ease and a comfort when you saw mm -hmm. the guys walking. They seemed very, very empowered by the clothes. Yeah. And that's that's what I felt with Jill as well. It was 
very empowering, you know, without any logos, without any bullshit. Uh, it was just empowering clothes for men. And that's yeah. kind of what I'm, I'm looking for. Yeah. yeah, it's clothes for men who don't care what others think about them. Exactly. Which is kind of funny thing to say, because usually I say that about women, because of course we are so, you know, obviously fashion is, you know, makes women so terribly insecure. And I'm, and I'm always happy to see clothes for women who don't care what, men think about them but this for yeah these were clothes for men who are absolutely secure in themselves and mature and they don't have to they have nothing left to prove yeah as opposed to you could look at all this logo bullshit and it's exactly the opposite it's Mm -hmm. it's all about signaling to others your worth which obviously stems from insecurity yeah, completely. Yeah, and it's begging for attention. And at the end of the day, the emptiness is there, you know. But this kind of cynical approach to fashion goes along with this entertaining thing. This sort of, you know, let, let's let have fun there. You know, let's kind of like, in a way, it's sort of um, emptying fashion from its meaning. You know, mm-hmm. it's just turning it into a, a one-trick pony, into yeah. something that is kind of nihilistic, you know, it just sort of becomes completely shallow. You 100%. Know, not, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And sometimes, like, and, and I know we shouldn't get mad at this, but sometimes I do. Like, it was a couple of months, I swear, I was just, I was sitting on the corner, my, my favorite corner where I people watch, and there was a guy passing, a guy passed me by in the, in, in the soccer jersey that said Balenciaga on it. And I literally had the urge to get up, stop him and ask, like, what does this give you? Hmm. You know, you wearing a fucking soccer jersey. It just has Balenciaga on it. Like, yeah. what does this add to your life? This is really, I really wanted to, like, I had to hold myself back. I'm like, okay, it's none of your business. <laughs> but but I really had that urge to be, to, to, to. You know, without even judgment, just ask, like, what does this add? What does this garment add to your life? Honestly. No, but it's just like anything that's, um, I don't know. it. I actually don't think it adds anything. I think it's the opposite. I think it sort of makes the person look like a robot. And it makes you look like you have no soul. And that basically you're just... You know, you're just being swallowed by the corporations mm-hmm. and, you know, you're just like chewing everything back out again. It's kind yeah. of, I don't and, know. And it, it costs you 700 bucks, by the way, just, <laughs> just. Yeah, so. it costs you a lot of money to actually advertise for them for free because yeah. that's ultimately what you're yeah. doing with such clothes. But I I had a feeling also looking at the, looking at the men's collection, particularly in Paris, that we were slowly coming out of this, like, uh, you know, because I saw collections that were very much um, underlining uh, craft and underlining value. And also talking to young designers, I have the feeling that they're really rejecting this, that they're really Mm -hmm. focusing on tailoring, on things that we haven't seen for a long time. So maybe now we start to see a way out of this sportswear uh thing i hope so it's happening slowly i hope so i really hope so i really hope that 
men will follow and I'm not convinced, but maybe because I've been writing too much for high snobiety <laughs> and I'm in that bubble, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm in that streetwear, but you know, I don't think streetwear is going to go away um, anytime soon, but I will be all for uh, going back to this division you know, streetwear is here and it's valid on its own terms. It's got its mm. own culture. It's got its own thing because guess what? It used to be way cooler than now all this like uh, corporate fashion logomania that it has inspired. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and again, and you know what? I think everyone from designers to the final consumer Every, designers, every time you make something, consumers, every time you're about to buy something, just ask yourself, what does this add to my life? Mm -hmm. I think this should be the question from yeah. now on and always. Yeah. yeah. And what is the value of what you are making and, and how does it bring something uh, interesting or positive or, or, you know, even educational into the world? Because mm -hmm. I think if fashion can be this, then it's wonderful. You know, yeah. then it's really empowering for people. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of um, beautiful clothes, I thought the sleeper hit of the season was Xenia. Did you get to look at it? I do look at it sometimes and I think there are beautiful things there, but somehow I always find it a little yeah. bit cold. Mm -hmm. um, I'm finding it, you know, it, it for me it lacks a bit of emotion sometimes. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. That's I'm, I'm cute, but you didn't see this collection, this last one, right? Not really, no. I didn't okay. really look at the last Take one. Take a look. No. I was really impressed. Uh, it, okay. it, you know, if it had, if it said Jill Sander on it, like I wouldn't be, I'd be like, yeah, okay, you know, or even Hermes, right? It, it was kind of a mix of, well, I don't, I don't want to make comparison. I'm only making comparisons for the sake of, you know, painting a mental picture, but it was sort of like, between Hermes and Jill Sander, it, it, it was okay. very modern, I thought. Mm -hmm. Beautiful tailoring. Quality looked incredible. And from what I read about, uh, just the fabrics blew my, you know, like cashmere lining, yeah. et, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, you know what? This is really, really fresh, actually. Okay. I'll yeah, look at it then. Yeah, nice. yeah, take a look. I thought the, and the colors were beautiful. There was this rust color that's now their corporate color, sort of like it's, they used it uh, really beautiful in combinations with black. There's a lot of recycled cashmere sweaters, um, mm -hmm. you know, done by hand, the sort of patchworks. I was, you know, again, it wasn't one of those things I was going to look at. And a friend of mine was like, you should go see it. <laughs> and I looked you at it. You didn't expect that at all. I no, really did not expect it. And I think, so I think what's happening there is, you know, obviously they're trying to reposition it as a fashion brand, not, not mm -hmm. as a suiting brand. And listen, if they keep going that way, like I'm, I'm for it. I, I, I found it uh, really impressive and I kind of, it's like, I wish I was there in person to touch the clothes. 
It sounds like the uh, polar opposite of Dolce. <laughs> <laughs> I only saw which the... you must have, which you probably love for different reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I only saw that machine gun Kelly thing because you could not escape it, and and I don't even know who that is. I know it's a, he's a musician of some sort. I don't know what kind, uh, but I was like, yeah, this is just beyond. I, I they, don't they, get it. They've out Philip Pline, Philip Pline this time. Yeah, I mean, it's beyond, it's sort of, it's beyond vulgar. And it, it's sort of like, I don't know, it's, uh, I, I'm still wondering because obviously it costs a lot of money to make clothes that ugly. I'm still wondering who buys that. I mean, for me, it's a mystery. I just uh, have no, middle, no clue. Middle East, Russia, China. Mm-hmm. And I think Italy. I think they have a very strong um, home market. And the States, too, uh, actually. Uh, You just don't see it on the street. But, yeah, I know. It's it's amazing. (laughs) It's become a mystery (laughs) mystery brand. I mean, talking about insularity, like they're completely completely cut off from everything. Like no idea, you know. And and just it was kind of... uh, you know what really annoyed me about it as well is that it was ripping off uh, Steven Sprousey completely. Like mm. if you look at the collection, it was taking a lot of his ideas and making them look weak and sort of bastardizing it. And mm. and that made me quite angry as well because ripping off a dead designer is, is horrible. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But yeah, it was kind of this, um, this sort of New York 80s punk moment that mm-hmm. they uh, interpreted themselves. They really yeah. have descended to like this, you know, them and the square. <laughs> like they really, yeah. they're like, you can't go any lower. You you are now in a Philip Line club. Now there was one, <laughs> now, there, now there are three, you know. Uh, it's, I mean, Philip Plain is actually looking tame compared to Dolce. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like, it does. It does. Um, well, yeah, fine. Yeah, fine. Whatever. <laughs> what did What did you think of Lueve? Like, I'm curious to know what you thought about uh, it. I was a bit disappointed. I'll be honest. I was mm-hmm. a bit disappointed. I thought it lacked coherence. And usually, and I was disappointed in both actually Lueve and J. W. Anderson a bit because mm-hmm. um, usually he backs up his ideas with clothes and this yeah. was it was just not enough for me yeah i i found it over reliant on quirks mm-hmm. uh and not enough fashion to back it up yeah um what how how did you feel i kind of agree i think it's i think it was supposed to be as an intellectual exercise i think it probably raised a lot of interesting questions but somehow that got lost into the clothes because the clothes didn't provide you enough information. And I really think that, you know, he probably is frustrated with certain aspects of fashion and he was trying to think about how to change things. And I feel that some of the silhouettes were very uh, visceral and they were very instinctive. So I kind of liked that rawness about it. There was this kind Mm -hmm. of energy. But at the same time, I agree with you that it felt a bit, it lacked coherence and it was sort of like going in too many directions. Exactly. And also this idea of this, you know, 
boy, this kind of like uh, quirky boy thing. I'm also like tired of that. Like I don't, I don't really want to see boys anymore on the That's runway. Exactly you know, it's a, how it it's, felt. It's a very Gucci thing to me. This kind mm -hmm. of quirky eccentric boy, and I think we're done with that. You know, mm -hmm. so I'd rather see, I'd rather see real men. You know, mm -hmm. than this kind of quirky quirky boy again it just feels yeah. a bit old to me you know yeah in a way yeah i agree i agree and and he's usually he knows exactly how to toe that line mm -hmm. without sort of going too much in either direction um but i think he kind of lost it a little bit here and i completely agree and and this is what used to grate me about uh, Reiko Akubo, because for like for a few years, you know, just a few years ago, there were like yeah. about like three years of collections where I'm like, okay, it's enough of emas emasculating men, like mm. enough of that. Yeah. Like I've yeah. seen enough. Like I understand <laughs> maybe men are not your favorite people, but <laughs> enough of uh, emasculating them. And, and and here I felt sort of. The same thing. They were not empowered. They were objectified and not in the right, especially J JWN. Like the moment like that silver lame bodysuit came out, I yeah. was like, okay, like it's, you know, the, these, these boys are not like. Yeah. And I, and I don't really see anything new in that either. I mean, I've seen other people do that before. Yeah. Uh, objectifying the body this way. And it's not particularly new. So I don't. I don't know what it's supposed to trigger and what kind of, you know, um, concept he was working on. But yeah, I'm sure he has a way to explain it, which is interesting. But somehow he did not communicate through the clothing the way it should have, you know. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree. It was a bit of a letdown, but uh, it's okay. You know, you can hit it out of the park uh, every <laughs> time. And what did you think about Rick? Because I thought some of it, was a bit overstyled uh, mm -hmm. and it sort of distracted you from the garments sometimes. Agreed. Agreed. Even though I liked it overall, I did have a feeling where some things I'm like, I don't know what I'm looking at here. Mm -hmm. uh, and only after seeing the lookbook, I understood what I'm looking at. So what we're looking at were actually tailored coats, yeah. <clears throat> but the vent on the back was split. So they just you know, they just reversed it and put the neck through the vent. Okay. And then they became these capes. So that's okay. what was going on. So I agree. It wasn't a successful styling exercise. And I have not confirmed it with Rick, but I will ask. I want to say, and don't quote me on it, because I may be wrong, but I think he stopped working with Panas. Ah, okay. So maybe that was why. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not sure because I saw something on Panos's Instagram, him with Rick and saying like 20 years of something. This was last season and I couldn't quite understand. I was like, are you saying goodbye mm -hmm. or is this just commemorating? A celebration. Okay. Yeah. And right. I, I'm, I'm going to find out because if Panos Ipanis is gone, that would make sense. Yeah. In terms of styling. Yeah, because um, I have the feeling that he, he should actually go to something that is more direct, you know, instead of making things that are more contrived. Because he has a tendency to go that 
that path. And sometimes it makes it difficult to feel that kind of, you know, visceral reaction to it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's what he's really good at. He's good at triggering something in you, which is like an instant reaction. And this time I thought it was a bit too complicated uh, mm -hmm. to feel this way. You know, it's sort mm -hmm. of like, it sort of made you, it was a bit opaque, you know, it was mm -hmm. a bit difficult to understand it. No. Yeah. No, I see exactly what you're saying. I see exact. I had exact same reaction. Hmm. I had exact same reaction, but yeah. Um, still, you know, compared to most, <laughs> this was a great, a great show. I really wish I was there. Um, you know, I, I watched the show and uh, Rick used like Sisters of Mercy uh, as the soundtrack. And it was really going back to his goth, young goth roots in Los Angeles. And mm -hmm. it felt so, it felt gratifying for me because that's what he talked about on our podcast that we recorded back, I think, in June. Yeah. Uh, and he, he was talking about how he started listening to Sisters of Mercy again. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, I actually come to think of it. I've never heard something so bleak mm -hmm. and glamorous and nihilistic at the same time. <laughs> and because, you know, he's, he's been using a lot of like hardcore techno at his shows. And, and then half a year later, like seeing him use Sisters of Mercy, I was, it was a really sweet moment for me because I feel like mm. maybe a little bit it was born, you know, on, on the pod. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I do wish I was there and kind of felt upsetting. But, uh, but yeah, over, overall, you know, I thought it was great. And once again, you know, Rick is the, seems like to be like the last true modernist who just marches to the beat of his own drum and mm -hmm. just does what he wants. And it's such a luxurious position to be in. And people and buy the clothes. That's the Yeah, yeah, they thing. do. They do. He has a, a huge following of people, very mm -hmm. faithful. Yeah. Tell me about Dries and how you felt about this kind of, uh, what I thought was a bit like overtly sexual somehow. And I thought that mm -hmm. was a bit weird coming from him with yeah. couples kissing and this sort of like play on gender. Um, did you recognize Dries there or not? Uh, here, well, first of all, I did not see the video. So um, I, but I was looking at the pictures and it was actually a bit hard to see the clothes. <laughs> <laughs> which is not the first time he's done this since the pandemic. Hmm. And then I thought, well, I actually don't know exactly what I'm looking at. So yeah, I should have seen the video. I, I should have watched the video, which I didn't. Uh, what I saw was hard to tell. Like, you know, we definitely saw some familiar things um, mm -hmm. in terms of the garments. So I, I'd rather get your take. Um, I was thinking about him quite a lot the other day because I like looking at older shows and I like remembering why they were so successful. And I realized that Dries is a designer who, without shows, loses a lot of his impact. Um, and I really believe that he should go back again and, and, and do shows again yeah. because I think we're missing out on almost the whole story. 
And somehow I've had the feeling lately that it's trying to appeal to a younger customer and, and kind of like trying to be edgy and trying to be, you know, more sexy and all these things. And it, it just doesn't feel right. I mean, kind of like knowing him and, and what he's like himself. It's mm-hmm. not really what he's about. So I'm having a hard time adjusting to that kind of direction. Mm-hmm. And also I'm, I'm missing something which is the, the romance, you know, the romance of his clothes, the, the nostalgia, the poetry, the emotion, this kind of like almost this sort of vintage idea uh, that he's so good at because he has incredible taste. I'm yeah. missing that from him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm worried that it's trying to become too sharp, too contemporary, too sleek, and that's not really who he is. I'm, I'm missing the kind of imperfection of mm-hmm. his style, you know, that I like. I'm missing mm-hmm. the human aspect right. that I think is because we don't have the runway show, you know, so we, we're losing out on this moment of, of emotion and yeah. communion. And, yeah. So I completely agree. I completely agree. I, I do think uh the shows have added a lot to trees um yeah because it's funny actually after each show when i would go to the showroom because as you know that's what i like to do i like to go see the show the ideas the music and then go see the product itself um and i could see how the clothes needed to show. It's mm-hmm. not that they cannot stand alone on, on themselves. They can, but it's exactly a show, a style, right? It, it really yeah. does add. And I also feel that he has a theatrical vision. There's yeah. something, you know, he's almost like a director. So when you watch his show, with the music, the makeup and everything, you really have the feeling that he's telling you a very specific story. And I'm missing that, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. missing this kind of input. Uh, And I just don't think the photography is working. And I don't think these videos are working. I think it really needs to be like theater. It needs to be on the runway. And Mm -hmm. that's where it really exists, you know. That's where it really starts to to take a life of its own if you want. But Yeah. 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 I agree. And come to think of it, maybe my favorite Dries Mans show was actually in the theater. It was a, the, the one at the Opera yeah. in Paris. You remember yeah. where uh, yeah, yeah. the photographers were behind the curtain and mm-hmm. then the curtain dropped and everyone saw the photographers. Yeah, it's, it's quite operatic. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. he can really do something even with, you know, even with a few means, he manages to do something that's really clever. And he manages to do a presentation that is um, that is really powerful, and he plays with the surroundings really well. I think he's a designer who, without the fashion show, loses his voice a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he should try to return to the runway as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. So, um, where are you on shows in general now? Because I I know for a while you you were quite down on shows and you were excited uh, about like, hey, you can present clothes in different formats, but it sounds like, you know, some clothes you can and then others really do work best in the show format that really is irreplaceable. 
I think that it's um, it's coming to this moment where I'm missing the excitement of not knowing what's going to turn up, uh, you know, and being surprised by what I'm looking at. And at PT, unfortunately, all the shows were cancelled. So the, the Andamel Mester event was cancelled as well a few days before we left. So that was a bit of a downer. Mm. And I realized that you also go to PT for this. You go there to experience a special moment, to watch a, a special production that a designer thought about and everything. So... I do want to see fashion shows, but unfortunately, I don't think that everybody needs a fashion show. And my problem is that who makes the selection, you know, who decides that um, some collections are worth showing and others are just better, you know, photographed and that's it. And the the fashion show does not add anything to them, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, this is a bit of a a tricky... um, tricky question but i i i personally miss the excitement of the of the fashion show the problem is to be very honest with you the past few seasons i went to paris i haven't been excited by a lot of things i mean i think maybe maybe rick was the most exciting show that i saw you know because Mm -hmm. i really felt transported um into his world and that's one thing that made me really sad also about mugler passing um, passing recently is that, you know, the totality of his vision. He was really a designer who from the photography to the casting to the clothing to the music really had complete control over his vision. And you were really invited into his world. And I feel it's the same with Rick, you know. Mm-hmm. A fashion show by Rick is an invitation into his mind, into his world. And it's very clear where you are. There's no doubt about it. You know, this yeah. is his space. Yeah. And... I want to see that in a show now, you know, I mm-hmm. want to see that kind of individuality. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I was always adamant that designers need shows because it is your, you know, twice yearly chance to present clothes, to create an atmosphere mm-hmm. around the clothes and to create yeah. a more complete universe. For yeah. sure. And, and yeah. of course, for auteurs, it's super important and it does give you a different sense of what you've seen because so many times I've gotten into arguments with people who just saw pictures and I was at the show and, and mm-hmm. I was like, no, you can't. It's like, not the same. No, yeah. it's never the same. No, yeah. it's never the same. But in a way, you know, I also feel that sometimes a, a very high production video can communicate that sort of emotion as well. But you need a lot of money to achieve that. I think it right. really is a financial issue, you know? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, because you see it if something has been done without a lot of money. You, you see it instantly. It sort mm-hmm. of doesn't have the same cachet. But I think, for, for example, of the Saint Laurent uh, movie that was shot in the desert, I thought it was incredible in terms of the kind of feeling it left you with and the, the timing of it and um, seeing these girls walking in, into the desert. It was like such a bizarre atmosphere. So I think you can do that on film as well, but um, mm-hmm. it 
requires like huge budgets yeah, yeah, to yeah. achieve that. Yeah, um, <laughs> maybe cheaper to do a show. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. Probably is. <laughs> uh, what did you think of Y Project this season? Did you? Uh, uh, I quite liked it. Yeah, I really have had a change of heart about Y Project, and mm -hmm. and I'm glad because usually it's the other way around, right? <laughs> usually <laughs> yeah. I like something and then I'm like, no, this is not cool anymore, and I'm glad to see. Uh, once again, I think it started a couple of years ago. I think he really benefited from moving away from all this Vetman, yeah. you know, influenced thing. And now he has sort of, Glenn has found a voice of his own and yeah. it's really working. And, yeah. and it's design. It's design. There's no yeah. question there. These are thought out, thought through products that are different than anything else out there. Yeah. And I think, you know, to get a nod from none other than Jean-Paul Gaultier, that's that's a statement in itself. That's a show that I would have liked to see today, actually, because I saw the I saw some images and it looked amazing. Some of the dresses are just completely crazy and um so much work went into them and it's complete volume and it, it really takes over. And that's the kind of thing I want to see. I mean, I think it, you know, more than ever, fashion should be a release from, from the reality. But at the same so, time, what I loved about Jill Sander is how relatable it was, you know, and how it, it, it was not gimmicky. It was not trying too hard. Mm -hmm. Um, it made fashion desirable, but also approachable. So I think it's a bit of a weird moment because yeah. I'm not sure exactly what we are expecting, you know, as, as an audience, if we want right. to be wowed or if we want to be seduced in a more subtle way, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like we want both just from different designers, you know, yeah. I, I, I more and more think about it. It's like, Hey, you know, you can do anything well, um, and it, different designers do give me different things, you know, and yeah, Jill, Jill Center does give me that feeling of just like really elevated, elegant, um, yeah. assured clothes. And then I go to Rick for this like goth theater, mm -hmm. Um, yeah. this, you know, anti-bourgeois kind of a fuck you, punky thing. And uh, yeah, it ends, yeah, with guys like Gautier or, yeah, where where it's just like complete theater. And that's what I miss. Hmm. That's why I keep missing, you know, McQueen and Galliano at Dior. They gave theater like no one else. But it's hard to do theater in a way that is not, how can I explain that? Because there's a lot of theater today, but it feels kind of fake and it feels like slapstick. You know, it, sure. doesn't, really, yeah. it doesn't really feel like actual performances. And mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. if you talk well, about... Well, that's what Chanel was, right? It was just window dressing and you were never convinced. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And also... Yeah, and also if you're looking at McQueen and, and Galliano, there was always a very performative edge to what they were doing. So it was 
pushing it to a point that it became very extreme. And when you look at some Galliano shows today, you're even thinking like, how did he get away with that? I mean, I know. You know, you're thinking about the money they had to spend on these productions. Yeah. I mean, it's completely this is never going to happen again. Like, no, no way, no, no, no way, you know? And also, how how did he get away with it? And uh, where did his imagination come from? You know, like, mm -hmm. I don't know how many, what kind of drugs he was on, yeah, you know? Yeah, but yeah. obviously, yeah, it was like completely, it was frenzied, you know? It was kind of relentless. Mm -hmm. And the same with McQueen. It was like a frenzied, relentless imagination that just kept on going. And yeah, I mean, if you look at fashion today, it's, much more kind of tame, you know? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And let's face it, the clothes today rarely back up the theater. Yeah, because they're not creative. Yeah, exactly. No, Whereas creative. with Galeana and McQueen, like, you look at the not, clothes. And, or, like, and they're yeah. not wearable either, you know, which is the thing sometimes I feel with Schiaparelli, which I really liked at the beginning because I, I thought it had a balance now I have the feeling that it's only for, for celebrities. I mean, I don't yeah. see what the commercial reality of a brand like that is, you know? Uh, so if know. you, yeah, so if you only want to produce image, then you go to Schiaparelli, but, but there has to be a balance between something that is costumey. I mean, it looks too much like costumes now, you know, it's like, yeah, I agree. Yeah. No, no, no I, I agree. It's really, I, I, you really do have to question on some level in 2021, is this viable to cut out 99.9% .9 of the population hmm. from your brand? Because you can't even like, even rich people can't buy it. You really have to be a celebrity. Like yeah. even they can't really buy it. You know, maybe a piece here and there. I, I think it's like an, some two stores in New York. And I think that's it for North America. Yeah. And it, it's, and I, and I do find it strange in 2021 where we keep screaming about democratization and made it into <clears throat> such a virtue where it feels like lip service by now. And, uh, well, you do have to wonder uh, who is this for. So I don't know if it's a strategy just to grow it really, really slowly, and we pop the demand to the point of hysteria. You know, hysteria. Um, or I don't know it, because for me it's so removed from reality that people just consume the images, but they're not consuming the garments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. No, I, it, it, it's it's strange. Yeah, I did like what I saw, but but I do, yeah, I I do agree. Even you know, with couture houses, you can go and if you have enough money, you can go and order a gown. Yeah. And this you can't even really. No, it's like museum stuff, basically. Yeah, yeah. And tell me about Kenzo, the Nigo's debut, how you felt yeah. about it. And okay, I loved it. And I know there's debate around it, but I'll give you my take. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll, like, I'll give you what, I'll, I'll tell you what I loved about it. And I don't know if you got to read my piece for High Snobiety. I read it, yes. That I yes, did. yes. Yeah, okay. The yeah. headline was not mine. Just wanted to. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far. Uh, but uh, but it's fine. You know. Um, 
what I thought is everyone expected him, you know, because Kenzo already has been positioned not like as a fashion brand, but as a contemporary brand. Mm -hmm. It was therefore very easy and probably expected to push it just a little bit more and all the way into streetwear, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's where, you know, Nigo is like one of the forefathers of that, right? Yeah. And when that appointment happened, I think to everyone was like, okay, well, it's obvious what's going to happen. But instead, we got a full-fledged collection. Collection, yeah, yeah, yeah. And sure, it's not high fashion, but I didn't expect it to be high fashion. And I think anyone who expected it to be high fashion I don't know what the basis of that expectation would be. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and him sort of breaking away from all these codes and not having a single collab <clears throat> in that collection, because I thought, hey, you know, we're going to have Nike, we're going to have, you know, whatever, Amazon, Walmart, you name it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and so none of that happened. Uh, the logos were kept, uh, you know, at a very good proportion, uh, not to a minimum, but maybe they're just step above to a minimum. And I kind of, you know, like I said, like the closest thing is going to sit to probably is like acne studios mm -hmm. yeah uh, so that was my take uh what about you i kind of felt it was sort of like an homage to uh to the founder to kenzo himself i, I mean i like the fact that he's japanese as well because i'm interested in his vision of the west and especially mm -hmm. his vision of the u.s and typical american style so i thought that was interesting uh, at the same time, I don't know how relevant it was. I mean, it would be interesting mm -hmm. to know what, you know, teenagers think about Kenzo and what it means to them. Because besides perfumes, uh, it's not a brand that's very active in people's minds yeah. right now. So I'm curious to see where he's going to take it. But I agree that I love the printing. I love the colors. It was mm -hmm. very optimistic in a, in a lot of ways, it respected Kenzo's own mm -hmm. personality mm -hmm. and his message mm -hmm. and what he, uh, what he believed in. So it was uh, respectful of yeah. Kenzo. Yeah. And most of all, I guess, I found it to be unpretentious. That's what I was looking yeah, for. Yeah, it was it unpretentious. It was very unpretentious. It was yeah. just, it's not going to be, it's not going to try any, it didn't try to be anything other than it was. But what it was, was good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it was quality. Uh, there was design there. You know, I love the prints. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. And it was attractive. Was... It was attractive for a lot of different people. I think a lot of different people could find something in it that they like. Yeah. Exactly. So also... Exactly. So yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, and I'm curious where it's going to go. You know, I... Uh, you know, I don't know if it's going to last in that direction because, let's face it, that's not why they hired Nigo. Mm -hmm. They hired Nigo for the same reason they hired Virgil at Louis Vuitton and Matthew no. Williams at Givenchy. You know, they're going to try to cash in 
on that customer. And I'm more curious about the women's wear rather than the men's wear. Because like, mm-hmm. okay, the men's wear, we understand that's a play. But Kenzo yeah. is a unisex brand, you know? Uh, yeah. So I'm curious... And I don't think Nigo's ever designed women's wear, uh, to mm-hmm. my knowledge. Okay. Uh, he's definitely not known for designing women women's wear. You know, obviously in the streetwear space, he is God. Yeah. Um, so he didn't give them what they wanted, mm-hmm. and that's, that yeah. alone was appealing enough. Yeah, that's good. And and I like what he told Vogue. He said, you know. I'm kind of sick of collaborations that make no sense. And what do you think about Vuitton now? Who who do you think is going to take the job? Uh, I don't know, Kanye West. (laughs) 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 Uh, Some people throwing out Samuel Ross from Cold Wall, which I think would be a step down. and like really pandering to streetwear. And I'm not going to be surprised if it's going to be like, you know, either Jerry Lorenzo or Mike Amiri, because mm. they're going to continue pandering to streetwear. Because mm. sounds like it was a very successful experiment with Virgil. Um, yeah. So the... You know, I um, I thought for a minute maybe Ip Kamara, but I don't. I think he has his hands full. I don't know mm. if he's going. To, but who knows? Well, what about you? Any ideas? I have no idea. No, but obviously it's a blow for them because they, you know, they capitalized on it and it was very successful commercially. And um, mm-hmm. Unlike Fenty, which, you know, failed uh, with Rihanna, this kind of high-end line, they yeah. succeeded with Virgil, you know, so I um, I have no idea. No, no yeah. idea. Uh, the show itself, I thought it was just like before, you know, there were too many ideas and if they could just like cut one or two out and just concentrate and edit it down, it would have had more impact. I yeah. really liked the tailoring. I thought mm-hmm. the tailoring was very well executed. But then they kept throwing in these random streetwear logo menu looks. And I was like, this makes no fucking sense whatsoever. <laughs> like, yeah. why is that doing here? And it only weakens the collection. And, hmm. uh, you know, and I think, uh, I think Ip Kamara is an excellent stylist, but I don't think he could save that. Yeah. <clears throat> So I wish they would edit it down and it would have had a stronger impact. Once again, it goes back to what I was saying in the beginning. This is one of the reasons why Balenciaga works. Like he, Demna keeps hammering hmm. at his vision until like he hammers it in, into everybody's head. And no. I don't know if there is an idea, you know, whether you can say Louis Vuitton menswear, like what do you, what do you conjure up instead of the logo? You know, a pair of sneakers, like whatever. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, but that's that's the thing with them now. I think he he managed to turn people into you know his little robots. You know, I think it's really uh, it's crazy. He's, he's had a massive influence. Yeah. Yeah. But I think but, I also think in a way it's the what what is 
you know, I respect him and I respect his talent, but I think the dystopian aspect of his vision is really frightening. And mm -hmm. I don't know how much he's aware of that himself, but it's uh, it's quite a scary world that he's offering yeah. us, you know, when you yeah. think about no, it, I... because it's kind of identity disappeared. There's no, I mean... If you print out gay on a sweatshirt and this is what you pay for, I mean, your identity is just a piece of cloth, you know, yeah. it doesn't exist yeah. anymore. It's just, it's, a, it's just a slogan. Yeah, it's just a slogan. <laughs> and I think, you know, this kind of reduction of, of politics that it sort of becomes something to, it becomes a joke, you know, that, that aspect is quite disturbing. No. Yeah, well, well, that, yeah, I, that I'm completely against and I've written about it and just fashion should just stay away from politics mm. because you are turning serious issues into sloganeering and, you know, sort of, yeah, education via Twitter and Instagram. That's not, has no place if you actually do care about politics. No. So I completely agree with you there. Um, and this, di this, this di you know, dichotomy infused like view of the world that it has to be one or the other and mm. things can't coexist. To me, I've always found it suspect. I love fashion exactly because it's frivolous. Yeah. Like I think about politics and society and in my other part of my life mm. and I'm totally fine with that. You know, like I don't need fashion to talk to me about politics. Well, because it's first of all, it's incapable of doing that in, in, in any serious or impactful way. And second of all, like, you know, it's like Saul Bellow said, there's just too much to think about. You know, like I can't like and I don't think any sane person can think about politics 100% of the time is we're going to go insane. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm no, totally... but you're right because it, when you think about frivolity and I, I agree with you, I mean, I, there's no frivolity in this world. I mean, it's completely... Um, I mean, in fact, there's no playfulness either, you know, but that's... Yeah, uh, yeah. everything's been politicized. It's And I actually find it sickening. Mm. I really find that sickening and sadly more often than not it's starting to come from the uh <clears throat> so-called progressive left which i actually think it's regressive left mm -hmm. and not progressive at all uh and i really hope i really would like fashion to stay away from that it's fine to be frivolous there is nothing <laughs> yes. wrong with that yeah, there is nothing wrong with that. No, no, I agree. Definitely. Um, or you become, you know, the blandness that uh, Kim Jones is. Yeah, Fendi uh, was particularly boring this season, I have to say. Super boring. Super no. boring. And I found Dior to be boring. You know, and mm -hmm. and uh, where, where people saw elegance, I saw blandness. I was like, this collection is as bland as kim jones's it's, like, it's just product i mean i for me it's seriously even, yeah. like literally sweatpants and sweatshirts dressed up with styling tricks on the runway at dior 
Like, <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say, honestly. I, I really yeah, don't you know what your, else to you say. You look at your women's wear and it's worse, you know? So it's, <laughs> that uh, is true. <laughs> I mean, that is true. You can always do worse. I mean, it's really like, and the, you, you look at the people who wear it, the people who buy it, it really is, the, it's the end, you know? It's, uh, yeah. I, I mean, know. Your, your women's wear is, I mean, what, a book? A book tote, a giant logo, and a, a pleated skirt. I mean, it's not. It's, yeah. But listen, they're gonna, they're laughing all the way to the bank, and they can't afford to do anything else because they have to continue to keep growing. It's a publicly traded company, yeah. and you have to prove every uh, quarter that you know you you're worth the stock price. So. Mm. They, they're going to continue to juicing it and getting hype, uh, hype designers who, yeah. have, who are more famous for their Instagram following rather than anything else. Hmm. <clears throat> and they're going to put all the marketing muscle they have into this thing. Yeah, true. And, and, and it is what it is. And it's funny, I was, I was listening to yet another rant uh, about the state of fashion. And I thought, what can we do? You know, what can an individual do? And I think at this point, what you do is you simply opt out. Hmm. You simply opt out. You simply find your corner of this fashion world yeah. And and that's what you do, and whatever it is, and I, and I know we've talked about it, but more and more I see in New York, young people opting out of ready to wear altogether. A yeah. lot of them are buying vintage. Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, which is which is more responsible at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. it's more yeah. it's more responsible. It's way cheaper. Mm-hmm. And I hope what they're saying here is we're too smart for this. Yeah. Do not insult our intelligence. We're not going to pay $500 for a logo cotton t-shirt. Hmm. And well, at least I hope that's what's happening. I mean, um, I never I never thought they would get away with it and they have for so many years which is the really sad thing is that there's actually somebody who is buying that t-shirt right now no. yeah 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 listen there's, there's just too much money in this world <laughs> like, let's, <laughs> yeah. let's face it it's uh yeah it's, too much money and and not enough education and not enough to taste actually too. understand there's not even taste it's just education to understand what mm-hmm. kind of product you're looking at. Nobody mm-hmm. understands it, you know, nobody yeah. understands what design is. Yeah. So but isn't story. it an old story? You know, I keep reading, like I, I've been reading a history book and I'm kind of like, isn't it an old story? Hasn't this always been uh, with too much money, not enough taste and sort of uh, lowering the bar for everyone? Um, I don't know how much lower the bar can go. I don't think it can go lower than where it is now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you're at a $500 t-shirt, I think. Yeah. I and two, $2,000 tracksuit. Yeah, mean. exactly. 
Yeah. Well, on that note, and since my dog is going nuts, she needs attention. She needs attention. She's like, Instagram you know, attention. Yeah. she's like, fuck fashion. There are more important things <laughs> yeah. in life. Like me. so thank you Philippe again most most enlightening and uh, I really appreciate uh, I look forward to the edited Douglas uh, Douglas version (laughs) yeah okay Uh, take care thanks for coming yeah you too bye see you later okay ciao 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 you too You've been listening to the Styles I Guys podcast, hosted by Eugene Rapkin, produced by Patrick Leduc, intro and outro music by Wesley Isolt of Cold Cave. Please support us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Styles Thank you for listening.